Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net, and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you, and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify and lots and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't worry if you don't see your favorite on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on location from the Winter Nam Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a musician, rapper, and entrepreneur who hails from Baltimore, Maryland. He makes clean, purposeful hip-hop music with a strong motivational message. He is a voting member of the Grammys and has partnerships with Netflix, ESPN, NFL Network, and WWE, his songs having appeared in TV and movies. You've been hearing a song of his called Fill the Space. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Wordsmith. Thank you so much for having me, and i got to tell you, isn't Nam beautiful? Yes. Bringing yes. all these great musicians together and so yeah. many great companies. It's like a playground, isn't it? It's like an amusement park, honestly. <laughs> when you first come up here, you think you're coming to Disneyland, Six Flags, something like that. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good analogy with Disneyland being you know, practically walking distance from here. Go ahead and tell the listeners about that song of yours that we were just playing called Fill the Space. Sure. You know, my my musical background is I try to write uplifting music and positive driven music because uh, I come from a very tough city in Baltimore. And when I wrote this song, it was during a time when uh, we were having a Freddie Gray riots um, in the city. And I just felt like we really needed a void of comfort because we had lost someone in the city that was... Uh, not on good terms you know it was through police brutality and freddie gray's death was not something that the city took lightly so i wanted to write a song that uplifted the city that filled a space during a time where there was so much anger so much hate uh, against the police force and so uh the song was well received when i put it out and i think it was a heartwarming song i kind of wrote it from the perspective of like a hip-hop ballad um in a lot of ways but talk about that decision to go to take the high road, as they say, because I would think that the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of creators would be to write something angry and to write something that unfortunately would just feed into all of the hostility. Well, sure. You know, I was very angry. You know, I had a, a Rite Aid that was two blocks from where I lived that was burnt to the ground during the riots. Wow. And uh, my thing was I could take what I'm seeing out here and just talk about all the bad which the news does for us or i could try to do something that uplifts people you know and i remember prince came to baltimore back in um, 2017 when all this was going on he did a free concert for all of us in the city and i said this is what i'm talking about right here because music as you know can change your mood can uplift you it can make you feel sad at times too but it can bring up great memories and a lot of memories are tied to music a lot of times so it was like prince to me got it you know, he was like, I'm not coming out here to charge you money. I just want to play you some music in light of all this mayhem that's been going on the past week. Here's just some great, good music that'll make you feel good about yourself. And that's kind of the perspective I took when I wrote Field of Space. So Prince did a free concert. Did a free concert, yep, in Baltimore. Because the question I was going to ask you is, unfortunately, we do know that at the end of the day, it's a business. Correct. So 
can you let that affect your thinking when you do decide, no, I'm going to take the high road and do a positive song? Because there might be a voice in your head that says, well, wait a minute, you might sell more if it's controversial and if it's negative. I agree. You know, I definitely warred with that because I said I could put out a song that's telling all the hard facts of this is what's going on out here. Or, like I said, I could take that high road and say, hey, you already know what's going on. How can you help us come out of this? You know, because we need help out here in Baltimore. How can you help us come out of this? And I just chose that other side of things. You know what I mean? Most people, unfortunately, would have, to me, chose that negative road and chose to talk about what's actually going on. But I'm just a person that I just believe in. The sun's going to come out again. We'll get through this. I want to be one of the people that helps us see the sun again. Yeah, and that's going to come back to you, you know, to, to decide to take the high road and to say, I can chase the almighty dollar you know, and do what society wants me to do, which is write a negative song. But I'm going to search my heart and say I'd rather lead people to, like you say, where the sun is shining and and know that that'll come back to me. So good for you for doing that. Thank you. Listeners, hopefully you've been with me for a while now, and I do thank you for that very sincerely. Hopefully you know that at the beginning of 2020, I overhauled the Patreon and changed the way that's set up. Now you just pay five bucks a month and you get ad-free bonus content that's exclusive to Patreon supporters. $5 a month. Start by going to nhte.net. Click on the orange-colored Patreon button, and that'll take you over so you can get access and more details. There's already bonus audio up there for all the previous guests that started with Mudbone on Christmas Day. So everyone from Mudbone through and including Wordsmith and I, he and I are going to chat over on Patreon after we're done here today. So do please check that out. So, listeners, this will be interesting for you as I put this in the form of a question. But Wordsmith, you had a full athletic scholarship to play football at Morgan State University. You transferred to Salisbury. Your focus shifted to entertainment, and you finished with a bachelor's in theater arts. So, talk about all that. <laughs> it sounds like a lot when you just write yeah, it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. I grew up loving sports. You know, that was my big thing, especially football, and I aspired to be a professional football player and my first dream was get a scholarship and go to school for free. And that was something I was able to accomplish. I was able to get a full scholarship to Morgan State University. Wow. And I started my football career there, and then I transferred and finished up at Salisbury. But I felt like I was on a path of destiny because when I went to Salisbury, that's when I got into acting. And my mother would always push me when I was younger because she saw me do this play. And she was like, you should act. You should act. You just, you just have the personality for it. And I'd be like, no, I want to play sports. But when I went to Salisbury, I had tore my meniscus my junior year. And so I wasn't around the team as much. And I was kind of rehabbing on my own and looking for other things to do. And I remember I was in uh, by one of my classes and I saw this improv that was coming up probably two days, coming up in two days. And I said, you know, what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to try this improv. I'm going to take my mother's advice. And I went in there and I remember I loved it. And I ended up getting a role. Wow. And once I got a role, I would probably say a couple months later, I changed my major. I decided, wow. I said, you know, I'm not going to continue with football because I looked at the big picture and I said, very few people make it professionally. I've already been hurt twice with a torn Achilles and torn meniscus. I really need to focus on something that can pave, you know, my path for the future. And uh, so I transferred over and started acting. And I always had a love for music during this time, but I wasn't really doing it seriously. Okay. And uh, so I ended up graduating my theater arts degree and I actually got invited to Penn State to trial for their graduate program. And that's when I told myself, if I don't get into Penn State for acting, I'm going to go hard with music. And obviously, you see, I didn't make it into Penn State. <laughs> but, uh, music was the right path, definitely, because so many doors have opened for me. I've been able to help so many people. And uh, 
to so many great accomplishments in my career so far. Well, you know, and if you think about it, with where we are today and of all places to talk about it at NAMM, with the technology that we have, that it is so accessible to create your own music. And so you can do that for the rest of your life. But even if you would have gone on with a football career, played in the NFL, how long, how long can you go with that? So maybe, maybe age- 30, 32, 33 maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... You know, in either case, again, it is a business and we all have bills to pay. So you do have to look at what's going to be an income stream for me. But in this case, you can create music as long as your heart is still there and as long as the desire is still there. So in 2009, you started your own independent label. I don't know if you pronounce it NU or just NU, New Revolution Entertainment, which has flourished uh, distribution and licensing deals with a handful of companies what came first for you, doing music or starting the label? Because from what I can tell, your first album was in 2010. I started my label first. So, again, I was always thinking on the business mind of I want to set myself up for the future. So I was like, I need to have my own company, you know, and then I can seek out a distributor once I have my own company to put out my projects. Um, and that's why you saw my first album didn't come out to a year later. Because also while I was putting my business together, I was really learning the music industry of making sure I was signed up with ASCAP and Sound Exchange and AARC and copywriting all my material. And even I opened up my business in Delaware because they don't have property tax. So I really uh. just took the time and was smart about my business. And I said, yeah, I could put out music right now, but who's really going to hear it? Who's really going to care? Why don't I prepare and prep? So when I did put out my project... It wasn't the biggest project in the world, but people were expecting it because I prepped it. You know, I put out a couple mixtapes during the year, put out a couple songs, along with getting my business affairs together. So when it was time to put out an official album, I was able to roll it out, have my video on MTV, um, get some hard copies made. And again, this was back in 2010. And uh, so I always was very smart about business and saying, hey, is this step or move I'm going to make, is this going to set me up for the next five years, 10 years? So then, do you have other artists signed under your label? I have other, I have a live band. So the other musicians I have signed are like a drummer, I have a DJ, I have a keyboardist. Not so much artists uh, right now, but, and the reason why is that I don't feel like I have the proper capital to bring on the artists I want to bring on and really support their careers the way I support mine. So it sounds as though you really started the label with Wordsmith in mind. Correct. And the fact that there's others is kind of secondary it's not that you're treating them as second-class citizens it's just as though the label was there for you first correct and and yes you are able to support these other fellows but it's not the true sense because what happens is for your benefit by the way there's a lot of listeners of this show who are up-and-comers that are trying to learn every week from me and my guests and so they hear a label and right away they think, well, this guy's arrived. He's on a label. He started his own, you know, or they think, you know, maybe I should contact him and try to get signed. And I think it was episode 310 with Joey Stuckey. He's from Macon, Georgia. He's a blind uh, composer, singer, songwriter, guitar player. And he said that the only reason that he started up a label was basically for tax reasons. Uh, So I think that the up-and-comers need to hear from people like you that, don't think that a label is the be-all, end-all. There's different reasons why people set them up. I'm so glad you brought that up. And uh, tax reasons is definitely a good reason because when you open up your business, the first three years you can take a loss. But it's also a way to build capital for your business uh, when you start it because you can write off all your expenses. So anything that's related to your music, any equipment you buy, travel, 
the space you're recording, the vehicle you use, all that stuff can be written off through your business. And so I definitely use that to my advantage, you know, on the tax side of things. Um, but also I wanted to be able to, there's just some things you can't do in this industry without a company, you know, whether it's a 501c, which is a nonprofit or having an actual for-profit company, there are just certain things you cannot do. Uh, to progress your career if you don't have that type of backing. So, and I always, always trying to get funding all the time and I always putting for a lot of grants as well. And when you put in for grants, a lot of times you have to have to have a company or you have to have a 501C. And so my next step with me is getting a 501C, uh, which is going to call, I'm going to call it the Leap of Faith Foundation. And I'm going to be working with the homeless a lot in Baltimore. Awesome. Awesome. Well, not to mention that a lot of entities that you call upon will respond differently to, I'm calling from New Revolution Entertainment as opposed to calling on behalf of myself, which yes, technically it is the same thing, but they hear a business name and it takes on a whole different ambiance to them. I will say this. I do a lot of licensing. And one thing I'm moving into this year, like a lot of the money I make in my career is through my license deals, through TV, films and games. And so something I am doing this year is I am signing people on the publishing side to where they can make use of my license deal and I can get their music pitched to very big companies to where it expands my business where I can make money off them, but they're also making consistent income as well. Because I have songs that I've licensed five, six, seven years ago that I still get paid for now. And the thing people understand is once you have a song that gets licensed as a theme song in a show or it's on a a soundtrack to a movie or it's on a sitcom, you get paid for that the rest of your life. Mm, Fantastic. You're also, I mentioned this in the intro, you're a a voting member of the Grammys. When did that happen and what benefits have you seen from that? Uh, That happened about three years ago and you become on the Grammy voting committee when you earn a certain amount of songwriting credits and that can be from albums you put out of the songs you wrote for other artists, uh, licensing material that you've written and when you reach a certain amount of writing credits you can get an offer to become a Grammy voting member. And so three years ago I got the offer to come on and so I've been able to vote I'm on the Grammys for the past three years and have my voice, you know, in that process, uh, even though it's a lot of people that are putting votes in, you know. But I imagine that you've probably made some connections through that as well with the other voting members of the Grammys that you've met along the way over the last three years. Yeah, definitely, because when you're on the Grammy voting committee, they have events that you get invited to that, you know, only you're invited to go to. And they have uh, different dinners and just different events that they have throughout the year that only Grammy voting members are invited to. So you definitely get to connect with other people. Listeners, I do want to mention that Wordsmith and I here at the NAM show in Anaheim, we're recording thanks to Tascam and specifically the DR44WL handheld recorder of theirs that I'm using. It does have built-in mics on the top of it, which you would probably want to use that if you have song ideas, something portable that you can carry around with you and just sing into. But I have decided to use external microphones, Tascam TM60 microphones that are XLR'd into the device. It also has Wi-Fi capabilities, and it's a real handy device for situations like this when I'm out on location and don't want a big elaborate setup, yet I want pro audio sound. I'm also wearing my Tascam headphones. And, of course, here at the NAMM show, they have their huge, it's almost not accurate to call it booth, but the Tascam display setup where they have just a whole slew of different recording solutions that you can use as an indie artist even if you're just a hobbyist and obviously if you're a professional touring musician Tascam has been in business for more than 45 years if you get on Tascam.com you'll see all the different things that they have for so many different applications if you want to record your live show which I always say is a great way to put out an album if you're kind of hurting for new material but check it all out Tascam.com and then find a dealer 
The Wordsmith, you have released five albums and many singles since 2010. So presumably you're releasing these all under your own label. Correct. I have a distribution through Ingrooves and um, a couple other distribution dudes through Red Eye and United Masters. And do you have your own studio? Are you recording all this yourself or you go somewhere to do it all? I have my own studio, uh, mainly because I have so much licensing work I do. And sometimes you got to get a full song done in two or three days. So you have to be able to hop in the studio and record at a moment's notice sometimes. So you talked before about that timeline of transitioning through college and getting into theater and entertainment and everything and then setting up the business. At what point did you, I'm going to guess, maybe teach yourself production that you are you have your own recording studio? I definitely did, you know, because um, I work with a lot of musicians and I'm sure you know, too, you pick up a lot of stuff that's over time and people teach you little things. And uh, I was just able to really learn how to record myself really well. I've had the same engineer for over 10 years now. Wow. And he's actually out of Poland. And uh, yeah, we've got to meet several times, but he's actually out of Poland. And that's the beautiful thing of the digital world is uh, I felt like, you know, in 2010, I was kind of on the cutting edge of that because I would record everything in my studio, do a mix down in my studio, send all my stems to him in Poland, and he would do the final work on it, and it would come back sounding like a million dollars. And we've been doing this for 10 years now, and now wow. this is common in the industry. Yeah. So I've been doing working this way and working with producers overseas, people from all over the world for, I would say, past 10 years now. So as common as it is, though, I know there's people out there who are going to say, but how, though? How did he meet a guy from Poland? The Internet. He heard my music on the Internet a little bit after I put out my first album, and he was like, I really love your music. I'm a, um, an engineer out of Poland, and I would love to mix and master one of your records. So I gave him a try, and I loved it. You know, I was like, well, he understands my vocals, how I like them. It did so well as far as uh, mixing down each piece of the production, like the snares and the kicks. Um, just anything in, a, in the production, he was just really good at mixing everything down really nice. So we stuck after that, you know yeah, what I mean? And I remember he like came it. to United States and he actually got his uh, degree out in Ohio. He got his engineering degree and he was out here, I think, two or three months. He came out just to get his degree. So he's, he has two certifications as an engineer, very knowledgeable, has a full-blown studio in Poland that all the big artists in Poland come to him to record. So wow, wow. Yep, he's done well for himself. But so how does it work in terms of, like, I like that you said that you sent him one of your songs and he sent it back to you and you said, okay, this sounds like a million bucks. But if someone's in that situation, if there's an up-and-coming artist who's listening to us right now and they say, well, I found someone who wants to work with me, but, you know, there's going to be that period of time where you meet the person, you get a feeling for them, but it's either all or nothing. So how do you broach that subject of, well, maybe I'll just have you do one of my songs? Uh, I mean, just like I said, you don't pitch it to them like, hey, this is going to be a ongoing situation. You say, hey, let's try this one record. Let's see how it goes. And you kind of just take it from there. I knew when I got it back, I was like, this is my guy. You know, I just the mix is what I was looking for. And I had had other people mix my stuff before. And I always would have slight issues to a lot of issues with it. Like, ah, this totally sounds different than what I recorded, you know. So mm. once I found my guy, I think it's important with engineers that you stick with one engineer once you find the right one because they help your sound grow over time, believe me, because they grow with you as you, as you grow as an artist, and I fully believe that. I believe as you jump around, you work with different engineers, they can have different takes. 
on how something could sound, how it should sound. They don't truly know you as an artist. To where if you're working with the same guy, they know you up and down. It's like a good friend. But let's let's keep talking about this because what about I hear a lot of artists that say, well, our sound has really or my sound has really evolved. It's really changed over the years. If you go back and listen to what I sounded like when I first started. So I think what they do is they say, well, my sound is changing, so it's okay for me to go to a different studio or a different engineer or whatever. But I like what you're saying because it's almost like, well, why don't you just grow together? And if you're going to evolve, at least the one constant, right? You hit it on the bullseye, and that was always my mind frame is once I found my guy, stick with him so he can grow with me. Just like I've had the same producers for years that as I grow as an artist and I'm like, all right, hey, I'm moving more in this direction. They can move in that direction with me, which helps them expand their catalog of production. And I just believe creating that family atmosphere, it just helps. You know what I mean? You, you have friends because you have common things you like about a person. And they make you laugh. They make you smile. They're there when you need them. And I look at the engineer the same way is when you need them to get something done for you with your record at a moment's notice, they're going to be there for yeah, you rather yeah. than, oh, man, I need to find someone. I got to get this done. I don't know who to call. I'm like, my guy, I've been here for 10 years. I need this done in two days. You got me? Of course. Yeah, because as we're going to talk about here shortly, you know, if somebody like the NFL Network calls Wordsmith and says, we need something and it's you know, 6 p.m. on a Saturday, and it's going to require someone that's going to have to work early on a Sunday morning. You think some new stranger that you've never worked with before is going to do that? No, but the guy that you've been you working it. with for 10 years, he'll say, I, I got you. Yeah, and he understands why. Over. You know, he's like, are you bugging me at 4 a.m. in the morning? But <laughs> I get it. You know, yeah, and there's money in it for both of us, you know, so yeah, that's the true, other blessing. true. Well, you know, and I think what I pulled from that is getting back to the question about, you know, how do you try somebody out? I think because we are in such a singles-driven industry nowadays, you don't have to look at it as my next album or my next EP. You just say, well, you know what? I want to release this next single. I'm going to try this guy for my single. And if I like him, he's my guy. And if not, then you didn't have to put all this time and money into somebody who did an entire album that just did okay. That's great advice you just gave. It's so much easier to just pick a single. And that's why I brought that up earlier, you know, an engineer, to me, doing your full album is someone you need to really be comfortable with because it's a lot of work. And, you know, if you're an artist that does a lot of different types of sounds, you know, on your album and you're very diverse, you really need an engineer that's diverse and can really work with a lot of different sounds, you know, on your project. So I would just say find someone you can grow with. In 2017, you won an Independent Music Award for Best Album, Rap or Hip Hop. Uh, which album was that? It was for my album, Perspective Jukebox, that I put out in 2017. And is that something that you submitted for, they found you? Just talk about that whole winning that award experience. Sure. Um, that was something where every year the Independent Music Awards takes place in New York, and it's for artists that are not signed to major labels. Um, so even artists that were signed to major labels in the past but are no longer on them, they even submit a lot of times uh, their projects for this. And it's set up just like a normal award show, their best album, um, and it's broke down by categories. Um music videos, podcasts, the whole nine um, is set up there. And it's really well done up in New York. And actually, they had it at the, uh, I want to say, the Lincoln Center in New York this so past year. you went year. to it? You went, I, I didn't go this year. I was there in 2017. Uh, but I know they moved it to the Lincoln Center in 2018. Um, and it was there again this past year. So they're doing a great job with it. And I was grateful I submitted that particular album. And I got nominated and went up there. And 
I was able to perform at the awards ceremony and I ended up winning wow. Wow. Um, best hip hop album that year on the independent side. So it was a great, you know, milestone in my career. I still would love to win a Grammy, but of course. Uh, I feel like that can still come in my career, you know, but this was still it was a great milestone, you know, to win something and be recognized as an independent artist. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. As a voting Grammy member, you are allowed to submit your own, are you not? Yes, definitely. And so have you? Oh, I did in 2017 with that album. I, I was able to get on the ballot, but I didn't get an actual nomination. But it works in levels. You can submit. And if you get on the ballot, it is basically gives people can vote on your project. So you have to make the ballot first. Yeah. So that's like the first, I would say, great accomplishment. Like, okay, I made the ballot at least. So I made the ballot, but I didn't make it past that to the actual nomination stage. Well, so. but I think it's also part of, as you talked about in 2010 with really starting up the business Definitely. that phase of the grammy process it's all education it's learning how this whole thing is going to go and yeah. what do i need to do to advance my project through the ranks so it ends up on the grammy ballot there you go correct <laughs> <laughs> so you have written songs that have been played on netflix espn nfl network wwe network wow a lot of stuff <laughs> how, how did you manage all of that that's that's amazing I started this early on, you know, when I opened up my label back in 2009, I was trying to figure out a way to make consistent money. And so I really started researching licensing and I was like, hmm, so if you get a song placed, not only can you make money up front, plus royalties on the back end, but you can get paid the rest of your life. And so my approach was not put music out first. And that's why you saw that gap where I didn't put up a full album out 2010 was, like I said, I was prepping for that. And so my first gig was actually with ESPN uh, for this song called Eye for the Spotlight that I wrote. And they used it on SportsCenter Year in Review at the end of the year, I remember. And I remember I was so excited when the lady contacted me. She's like, we're using it on a big segment of the show um, on the SportsCenter Year in Review. I was like, are you serious? And so that was my first taste. And I took that and I flipped it and I started reaching out to companies. And I was like, hey, I just had a place with ESPN. And um, I started having a couple companies reaching out to me. And so my next placement was with on this show called Holidaysburg, which was an independent film. And I wrote this song called Happy Hour to Universal Blackout, which is like this drinking song for a section of the movie where they were drinking in the kitchen and at this party. And so that was my second kind of big placement and my first film placement. Um, and then after that, my next big placement that kind of, I would say, shot me forward was I worked with WWE and I wrote a theme song for um, a lady named Bianca Belair and she still uses it to this day it's called We Do It Better and from there I started working with Netflix um, I started working I worked with AMC uh, TV with Preacher if you know the show Preacher I did a song for them uh, Russian Doll I did a song for Russian Doll which was a huge show for Netflix uh, this year and I, were, I did another big show with Netflix called The Unbreakable Kimmy Smith which was another show that won them awards so I was blessed to get a lot of shows that won Netflix awards that I had music in Fantastic, fantastic. Let's back up to the first one, though. So the first one was the ESPN one. Yes. So you just contacted them on your own? No, nah, the lady actually found me. She had uh, The song was out, and she heard it, and she wow. said, hey, wow. I have some opportunities with ESPN. I love this song. Can I license it? And I was very green at that time. I was kind of learning about it, but didn't totally know. And she was nice to kind of walk me through it wow. and say, hey, wow. this is what we need to do. I need an instrumental. I need an acapella. I need the full, you know, record. This is what they're going to need and so forth. And um, she took it from there and she got the placement from her for me. And I took it from there and it was like, hey, I'm going to flip this and get more work out of this one job I got. And that's what happened. And so then that was a song that was already out there that she found. But of the rest of the placements that you've been talking about, is it a combination of 
Some of them were already written, and some of them were, well, I was commissioned to write a song a certain direction, right? It sounds like maybe there was a mix of the two different instances. Yeah, it's a, I would say it's 50-50. So sometimes I'll be contacted and they need a certain type of song for a certain scene or whatever, and I'll write something on the spot. Or there's sometimes, though, I have, like, my licensed company will have a catalog of my music. And they'll say, okay, well, you know, Wordsmith has this, this, and this. Let me pitch this to HBO for an upcoming show that's coming out in 2022. And that happens all the time. You know, they they seek out the music very early for shows, for films and different things like that. So sometimes I know ahead of time when I get a, a licensing deal. Sometimes I don't even know until I actually get paid. And I'm like, I had a song in this? So wow. it works both ways, yeah. Wow. But it sounds to me like the first one is the one that really launches you because the way you said it was that you got placed on ESPN and right away you kicked into high gear and said, okay, now I got to start calling others and saying, hey, I just got picked up on ESPN. Do you want to use it? Correct. Correct. And that song has got used so many times I for the spotlight and so many different things um, since then. So I really, I'm always been a person. I encourage every artist is like any opportunity you get, you know, if you're here at NAMM, talk to as many people as you can hand out as many business cards as you can because you just never know who you're connecting with. You never know who's going to be the next person to bridge the gap in your career, and that's always been my mind frame. Once you get an opportunity, how can you flip it? You know, how can you flip it and make it something bigger? Yeah, I was going to say that you're also telling people strike while the iron is hot. Yes. Because that's when they're going to see the cred that, well, okay, if it was good enough for ESPN, I think we can use it on NFL Network, or I think we could use it on WWE Network. There you go. And so you were able to, like you're using the expression, flip it and turn these all into, you know, like I said, striking while the iron is hot and using that momentum to say, because I always think of it in the context of, you know, if you're an artist who's looking to get booked at better venues, if all of a sudden people see that you went from playing the local scene to now you're playing the House of Blues, now you're playing hard rock, they're going to say, okay, this person must be doing something right to be getting booked at that level of venue. So that's when you do ask the better venues, how about booking me at your place? You hit it on, again, hit it on the bullseye with that. Because even in my career now, there's certain offers or certain venues I won't play anymore because when you get to a certain level in your career or if you played certain festivals and there's certain things, like you can't go down, you know, and you hate to put it in that context, but you kind of really have to stay at the level you're at and continue to progress upward. You never want to go down. So sometimes you got to pass on things that you might want to do it, but you're like, you know what, is this a good look for my career right now based on all the stuff I've done? Yeah, and because, and listeners, you get hit, you get sick of hearing me saying it all the time, but at the end of the day, it is a business. It is. And so it's <laughs> bad business. It's not unlike if someone walked into a store and said, gee, I really like these jeans, but $50, you know, boy, that's more than I was willing to pay. And you say, well, I'll tell you what, you know, we'll, we'll give them to you for 35 Well, all of a sudden, the, the perceived value just dropped. And all of a sudden, they go, well, why is Wordsmith performing at such and such a place? That doesn't seem like the kind of place he'd play at. Exactly. You have to think about that. <laughs> I'm joined today live at the Winter NAM Show in Anaheim, California by Wordsmith. Check him out at wordsmithmusic.com. It's spelled just like you would think, but I will put a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on his website, you'll find links to engage with him on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Plus, there are links there as well for his original music. You can follow him on Spotify, but it's better to support Wordsmith by purchasing downloads of his music from the likes of Apple Music, which is iTunes, or get it from Amazon. Keep up with him online also so you can get updates on new music that he releases and other projects that he gets involved with. 
I mentioned earlier about the Patreon for the show. Check out the bonus audio, which is ad-free, by going to the show website, nhte.net, and hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. It's only 5 bucks a month. And by the way, one other way that you can support this show is through your regular everyday purchases on Amazon. It's no extra cost to you, so you're still able to support NHTE without taking extra money out of your pocket. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, scroll down to the tall Amazon banner, and then once you click that, it will open their shopping app if you're on your phone, or it'll open their website if you're on your computer. Either way, at the end of the transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses that I have for putting out a new episode of this show every week. And no, I don't even see what you bought. So thanks for your support of the show through the exclusive ad-free bonus audio on Patreon or by starting your online shopping through my Amazon banner. The Wordsmith, you even partnered with the U.S. Department of State to fund performances and workshops in countries around the world to strengthen cultural ties to date. Wow, listen to this, listeners. Wordsmith has brought his music to Azerbaijan, Haiti, Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Angola, and Ukraine. Wow. Let's tell the listeners more about that. I started, actually started working with the State Department back in uh, 2016. That was my very first time, and I worked with them through a third-party company called American Music Abroad. And they had reached out to me and told me they do auditions in New York every year to send artists abroad to perform, but also hold workshops uh, with music. And so I said, sure, I definitely would love to come out and went up to New York, auditioned and they selected me and I brought my band and I out and they actually sent me on a pretty long tour. My first tour is almost a month long and I went to three different regions in Africa and I went to Israel and I got to perform um, in Africa and Israel in front of huge crowds, small intimate crowds. I got to do workshops on hip hop history. I got to do anti-bully musical workshops that I do a lot of times. And again, like we spoke earlier, once I had that experience, I said to myself, I can do this myself. I can do this through my own company. Uh. So I flipped it again. And what I started doing is all the contacts I made during that tour, I started reaching out to the U.S. embassies on my own. And I presented them with a proposal and my lesson plan and my workshops. And, hey, this is my, uh, my band. This is my team. This is what I'm about. And I started literally working my own deals directly with the embassies. And then the State Department would fund my tours. Mm. And then I have a second funding company called World Learning. So I have two companies that fund my tours. And since 2018, I've been to all those countries that you uh, just mentioned. And already this year, I'll be heading to Portugal um, in May. And I'm working on Ghana right now. And I'm working on going back to Lithuania as well in Azerbaijan this year. So I have a lot of friends around the world. (laughs) It sounds like it. That's tremendous. You also had a chance meeting with the vice president of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra that brought an opportunity for you to write a new narration for Carnivals of the Animals with them. When was that 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 took place? That was two years ago. And uh, I do, I'm actually doing work with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra this year as well. I'll be doing Beethoven 9 with them um, in June. And basically what I, they hired me to do is I wrote new poetical sections for Beethoven 9 and I rewrote Ode to Joy, which, you know, is a very famous piece probably the most famous piece of work in Beethoven 9 and I rewrote it and updated the lyrics to what's going on today in today's world and so it's going to be a 30 person choir singing it Um, we have uh, there'll be a jazz band taking part of it as well there are going to be a lot of new instrumental sections built into it so you should really read up on this it's on the Carnegie Hall page it's the 250 year anniversary of Beethoven 9 and people like myself 
other songwriters from around the world have wrote new renditions of Ode to Joy and new renditions of music for Beethoven 9. And starting in June, it's going to be performed all around the world, nine different continents. Okay, be gentle with me. Sure. Because you're a hip-hop artist. Yeah, yeah. So I'm listening to you saying <laughs> I rewrote this, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, well, does that mean that he made it a hip-hop version of it or... No, not at all. Um, one thing with me is hip-hop is my main base, but I'm a heart-to-heart -heart songwriter. So I write me, I can write pop music, R&B music, country music, you name it, I write everything. And so working with the BSO, it, it's nothing hip-hop based. It's um, I literally write spoken word for them or I rewrite if there's maybe a singing section within a composition, they'll hire me to rewrite those you know, rewrite it and update it in today's time. So talk about current issues that are going on in today that are affecting us now, not something that was affecting people in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot has changed. So when I rewrote Ode to Joy, I took some of the things that are going on in my city of Baltimore, some of the things that are going on, and a lot about telling the crowd to seek purpose in their life. You know, have, have a reason to be here. Be positive, uplift people, help one another. So I took a lot of that perspective a lot of stuff I stand for and interjected it into a new ode to joy. Is there any fear, though, of, of the uptight theater crowd pushing back and saying, how dare somebody try to rewrite Beethoven? Uh, no, because it's not my first time working with uh, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, so they've seen me on the stage before in there. But I think because Carnegie Hall, the way they've been putting it out there to the general public is this is an anniversary, it's a celebration. So expect to go see new renditions of something that's been around for so long. So they're, to me, setting the audience up to know, like, don't come in here thinking you're going to see the same regular Ode to Joy. Yeah. Come in here with an open mind yeah. that this is going to be updated to what's going on in today's society. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And listeners, it would be great to travel to see that, but maybe not everyone listening, especially those who are on the opposite side of the country would go there. I know a lot of people make travel plans to go to, of all places, Las Vegas. And you know that on this show, I always talk about the Access Vegas newsletter that I get regularly in my email inbox. Hopefully by now you have signed up for it. By the way, when you hear me talk about it on every episode, when you do, notice I didn't say if you do, when you do sign up for the Access Vegas newsletter, send me an email, podcast at nhte.net, and let me know how you like it. As you can tell by me talking about it in every episode, I get a lot out of reading that newsletter, and I know that you will too. The editor of Access Vegas told me that they have 12 different reports that you can get access to as an Access Vegas subscriber, and the top three out of those 12 reports that he has seen as the most popular is how to con the computer casinos into giving you more comps, where are free or low-cost ATMs on the Strip, and what is the best time of year to travel to Las Vegas. So get access to those three reports. Get access to all 12 of them, for that matter, by subscribing to Access Vegas. You can go to the NHTE website, which is nhte.net. Click on the Access Vegas logo, and then once you sign up, make sure you put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Click on Access Vegas at nhte.net. Put in the code BRUCE at sign up and you'll get five dollars off and then let me know how much you're enjoying the access vegas newsletter so there's more to talk about wordsmith in terms of philanthropy it's always been a major part of what you do and you have partnerships with project place homeless shelter in baltimore and kids connection haiti and you even gave away free pizza to homeless people on new year's eve just 
talk about more of this philanthropic work that I'm describing. Uh, it's a big part of where my heart is at and a big part of my purpose here on earth is just helping other people, namely uh, the homeless. Again, Baltimore City is my home. It's a very tough city to live in. We have big homeless issue out there, big opioid addiction issue out there, a lot of issues with the cops out there, unfortunately. So I try to do my part by working with a couple of organizations. One of the organizations you mentioned was Project Place. And I've been working with them for three years, and I love them because they're not just a homeless shelter, but they actually help um, the homeless get back on their feet and get jobs. And I think that's a key essential component that I think a lot of other shelters should try to adopt is it's one thing to house someone who's homeless, but it's also another thing to actually spend that time and say, hey, what puts you here and how can we get you back on track to getting a job again, getting your own house, getting your own car again? And to me, when someone is homeless can see a way out, of their situation or see that, hey, there's people here that want to get me back to where I once was, they'd be more likely, I feel, to take that help. Because I know homeless people that prefer to live on the streets. Yeah, you know, I've that's just that. their, their preference. Yeah, it's their preference. And so I chose Project Place because they have that double factor. We'll bring you in, but then we're going to help you get, you get back on your feet. Uh, Kids Connection Haiti, I started working with them about a year ago when I toured in Haiti. And my tour got cut short, actually, because I was out there during the week where they had a lot of the big protests. So I was on lockdown for two and a half days when I was out there. My tour went from a week and a half to three days. I got moved to three different hotels. One of my Whoa. hotels actually got attacked Whoa. when I was there. And um, nonetheless, it was a great experience. And I want people to know the Haitian people are beautiful, great-hearted people. And one of the organizations I visited when I was out there was Kids Connection Haiti. And I did a concert for the kids there. And all the kids that are in this organization have no parents. Uh, or kids that they pretty much found on the streets or were living with someone that found them and they were recommended to this organization and uh, they only can take but so many kids every year into this organization. They house them, they put them in schools, they clothe them, they feed them, they give them everything they need to be as successful as they possibly can in the surrounding situations in Haiti. So I just really fell in love with the organization. I have great friends there, uh, kids, the people that run the organization have... I'm great friends with them. They actually came out here to the United States about a month ago uh, to D.C., so I was able to see them again. And um, I don't know, my heart is just really in helping people. It just means a lot to me that I don't waste my time on this earth not doing for others. Yeah, and I was going to say God bless you for that approach you. because, you know, the thing of it is, if you think about it, listeners, what he's describing here, the homeless shelter in Baltimore and these children who have no parents and they're just going to this facility, in both cases, that's 100% coming from your heart. You know, those aren't... There's not ulterior motives there. Homeless people are not going to buy your music. Kids sure. that don't have a don't have parents and are just staying in a facility in Haiti, they're not going to buy your music. Correct. So I'm taking my hat off to you because you can tell this is coming from a genuine place and not because you hope it's going to lead to people buying downloads of Wordsmith music. <laughs> that I can tell you that part doesn't happen. It's the relationships I build. It's the kids that text me every morning on WhatsApp and say, Word. I passed this test. Word. I, my family and I was able to get this money so we can eat the whole week. You know, word, do you mind sending me $25 just so I can go to this school for this week? I mean, every day I hear from kids around the world. I'm just being honest because I have so many friends from Africa, so many friends from Haiti. And I've been to other countries, of course, where it's beautiful, but my heart is always in the countries that are suffering the most. So, when those kids hit me up every day and just to say, hey, word, what's going on? What you got planned today? Or, word, I saw you're going here today. 
you know, they get joy just from me writing them back and never forgetting about them. No doubt. You know, I'm the type that just pops up and I'll send them a video message. Johnny, what's going on? Tell your family I said hi. It means the world to them. When you live in a situation where literally every day is not, hey, I'm going to go out to the park. I'm going to go out and shoot hoops. It's how am I going to survive today? Am I going to get a new shirt this week? Am I going to eat every day or maybe only two days this week? So those are the type of people I know around the world. Uh, what about Nam? Before we wrap this up, is this your first time performing here at Nam? Yeah, it was my first time performing. It was my first time I ever submitted for Nam. So I, f- I feel very blessed that I got selected. Because uh, I would hear people through the years tell me how hard it is to get here. So I was like, oh man, I got blessed first go. So now your performance is separate from something called Jam in the Van. Yes. Yeah, I have an official Nam performance at four on the Pioneer stage, and then right after that, I'll be doing Jam in the Van, which will be a cool uh, situation. I have a YouTube channel where you're inside of a tour van and you perform three songs, and uh, uh, so I'll be doing that right after that. Cool, so. cool. Well, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called Force. Though before you and I head over to record the exclusive bonus content for Patreon, tell the listeners all about your song called Force. Yeah, force means a lot to me. Uh, I wrote force because of our unfortunate uh, police brutality situation that we have in the city of Baltimore. And I didn't write it to put down the cops. I didn't write it to make them feel bad. I wrote it to keep the conversation alive that, you know, one, when I was growing up, the police were in your community and you knew them and you knew them as the good guys. And that was always my take on when I grow up, man. The cops are good guys. I see them in the community. They're around. Now when you see cops, and because I've had bad situations with cops, I was locked up for a weekend just for questioning a cop. Just because he told me to go home, and I was like, well, the clubs don't close at 2 o'clock. I ended up in jail for the whole weekend. Mm. So I've dealt with rough rides the whole nine. I've had bad experiences with the police. So this song, Force That I Roll, is basically like this cry out to the cops, like, listen to us first. Don't just be aggressive first. Don't just don't be first to have this stigma and be like, okay, well, there's an African-American in the car. He probably has drugs on him or he's got a gun on him. No, that shouldn't be your first thing is yeah. judging us, yeah. you know. So this song is just about keeping the conversation alive. That Look, we need to find an equal ground of peace. I want to respect the cops. You should respect the citizens. We should be able to live together in this community, not have the fear of when you get pulled over, could this be my last day living? I don't remember living like that growing up. Yeah. But now is when you get pulled over now, especially in Baltimore, you're like, I need to have my hands up here. I'm not going to say nothing extra. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it, even if it's wrong. Because you have such this fear that you can lose your life. Mm. You know, so this song was just to keep the awareness alive. That's all. Wow. Wow. Well, this has been great. I really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate you making you. time to do this today. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you bet. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Wordsmith. Be sure to head over to wordsmithmusic.com. As I said before, I will put a link to his website from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you land on wordsmithmusic.com, you can see all the social media platforms that he is on so you can engage with him. Be sure to like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. And remember that while you can follow Wordsmith on Spotify, the better way to support him is by purchasing downloads of his music. You'll see links on his website for iTunes and Amazon. Remember also that you'll want to keep up with him online for any announcements about where and when he's performing, as well as any upcoming projects or special events. Don't forget that Wordsmith and I will have some extra conversation over in the bonus content that's only available exclusively through Patreon, 
There's already similar audio up there already from each of the guests that have been on NHTE dating all the way back to Christmas Day. It's only five bucks a month, and it's ad-free, and it's the only place that you can get it. So go to the show website, nhte.net, hit the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button, and that will take you to where you can gain access to the exclusive content. Remember also about scrolling down on nhte.net to the tall Amazon banner to start all of your shopping through them that way so that they can kick back a small percentage of the sale to help me with all the expenses I have for doing this show every week for what is now six years as of two days ago. For now, that will do it for episode 315. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Wordsmith. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Force. There is a time when you need force, no resource for me to enforce. My ride of speech might lead me horse, I bear the torch. Let's march forth, July the 4th, we set the course for this independent outreach. <laughs> you say free, but I feel the leash and I release the beast. Sick of the YouTube clips where the gun go click and the cop don't miss and the innocent man is dead in the whip and we got conflicts and the two don't mix and we all on the news just throwing fits and we lose our cool, man. That's when reality hits and you get to shit. Look at the way I live and look at the way I dress. Look at the way I talk, the way I walk, the boy too fresh. Make a move, you don't like it. Say a word, you don't like it. Not a chance, we change a course or show remorse. Exercise of force. You better stick and move. You better duck and hide. You better stick and move. You better duck and hide. You better stick and move. No chance, we change a course or show remorse. Put them all on trial and it's coming back not guilty Hush money from the civil case, them pockets laced and filthy Dollar signs in that tombstone, there's an empty room in that kid's home And his parents just got videos of that fatal shot to their son's doom Look for the truth, don't get it We don't want to hear this and that, we live it Life goes on and we just dismiss it Protest we solicit, it was Michael Brown, Keith Scott, Freddie Green We all watched Injustice, we need peace cops so Look at the way I live and look at the way I dress Look at the way I talk, the way I walk, the boy too fresh Make a move, you don't like it Say your words, you don't like it Not a chance, we change a course or show remorse Exercise of force you better stick and move. You better duck and hide. You better stick and move. You better duck and hide. You better stick and move. No chance we change a course or show remorse. Exercise of force. Stick and move, force. No chance we change a course or show remorse. Exercise of force.